The St. Louis Cardinals are one of baseball's most iconic franchises. With the exception of the Yankees, no franchise has won more World Series championships than the Cardinals. They are respected throughout the industry and pride themselves on doing things the Cardinal way. And O'Neill lifts it in the air out to left center. It's at the wall. Gone! None of that, of course, mattered one bit to the coronavirus. The Cardinals began dealing with an outbreak on their first road trip of the season through Minneapolis and Milwaukee and haven't played since. Some teams have played as many as 19 games. The Cardinals have played five. Can their season be salvaged? I'm Dan Schulman, and this is a Swing and a Belt. As of right now, I don't know what really our future looks like at this point. All I know is, is that we've lost three, these three games. You know, for all the optimism we had a couple days ago, um, be where we are today, it's, it's, it's definitely um, frustrating for everybody involved. And so hopefully uh, we get through this. We get back to playing baseball soon. Derek Gould does an outstanding job covering the Cardinals for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch and was with the team on that first road trip to Minnesota and Milwaukee. And like everyone else who covers the Cardinals, He's been writing much more about COVID than actual baseball ever since. Derek, a lot going on for the Cardinals and in St. Louis right now. Thanks for joining me on A Swing and a Belt. It's a pleasure. It's good to hear from you. Thank you for the invitation, Dan. Yeah, we usually bump into each other a lot a few times a season, but uh, the world doesn't allow us uh, to do that right now. Yeah. Uh, how are you? How's your family? Is everybody healthy and safe? Doing well, yeah. Everybody is uh, is still uh, happy to be around each other, I think. Um, <laughs> you know, But everybody's healthy. Everybody's well. I've gone through all the necessary things to make sure that uh, we can stay that way or as best we can. You know, there's a randomness to us, obviously, but we can at least take steps to be careful to make sure that as I travel and try to go around and cover this uh, this baseball season, that I don't bring something back to them. I want to get into that and I want to get into your travels. But before we kind of trace this back to the beginning, give us a brief snapshot, if you could, where the Cardinals are right now as we tape this. Yeah, they have been removed from the schedule, I think is a good way to describe it. They've been pushed back into quarantine. It's their second stint of quarantine in now 13 days. They had the time in the Milwaukee Hotel, and now they've been in St. Louis here for a good stretch. They had an entire homestand canceled. They've had 15 consecutive games canceled. That's a total, though, of distinct 13 games because one of the postponements was just a double game that had already been postponed. So that's where they're at right now. Baseball's removed them from the schedule so that they can get a series of days in without the new positive test. As of right now, they have 10 players who have tested positive. 17 members of the traveling party tested positive for COVID-19. The first positive test, just to give you a scope of this, was so long ago that those players, some of them, have started the re-entry testing, which can only start seven days after their most recent positive test. It's amazing. The Marlins outbreak got the bigger headlines, I think, because it was first. But the Cardinals outbreak is proving to be, I guess, more troublesome because it's kind of come in different waves and it's lasted longer. And there's a, there's a lot to unpack here. But let me ask you something that you mentioned. You've been through the testing. You've been traveling and covering this team. Not a lot of people are traveling right now. How did you feel and how do you feel about going on the road? You went to Minneapolis, you went to Milwaukee. How do you feel about traveling and covering a baseball team right now? Yeah, so a little bit about that is I'm considered tier three. That does not mean I have to go through the testing. So tier one and tier two have to go through the testing. Um, tier three, the media credential and other support credentials, I guess, 
you know, some of the ballpark officials and things like that, um, they're not required to test. I do have to go through medical checks, you know, like questions, temperature checks, all types of stuff like that. And I've continued doing that. I've been pretty good about that actually since spring training when we were in Florida. And there was a real concern, um, you know, in March about like, okay, what are we going to do as far as bringing it back home? You know, how long do we need to be in quarantine when we get back home? What exactly are we dealing with here in Florida in that time? I've done a lot to make sure that I can kind of construct as best I can a, a pretty good perimeter around myself. So I'm driving everywhere. I can do that in the central. I can do that with the Cardinals schedule. There's a real long drive toward the end of the season, but I'll cross that bridge literally when I get to it. So for the most part, I can do that. I made choices as to where the hotels are that I'm going to stay. So I have familiarity with those hotels. I know their policies well. Uh, I make sure that I'm a distant from the team. So I try to find out where they're staying so that I do not stay nearby. So my chances of crossing their paths are nil, regardless of what happens. So I try to take all those things into account. I think traveling was an interesting experience because, you know, it'd been so long, you know, for so much of us, like travel is just like, I rarely go like what, three weeks without travel. The longest I go without hopping on a plane is spring training and I'm not home for it. So it was interesting to, after four months of being at home to travel again, um, but it was also educational. And I'll be honest, Dan, it was also exhausting. Like, I think I washed my hands 20 times one day because it's like, you leave your car to get gas, mask up, wash hands go in, grab some snack, wash hands, get back to the car, take mask off, wash hands. You know, I have a little COVID kit that I carry around in a little lunchbox just to make sure I always have an extra mask, wipes, all that stuff. And just being in tune with that, you know, you, you forget what it's like in Cincinnati where you wake up at the hotel and you can go out, walk real quick early in the morning, go pick up a nice cup of coffee, go pick up a breakfast burrito, all that stuff. And then just head back to the hotel. Now it's like, okay, get up, Think about where I can set up an app to then order the food so it's ready to go when I get there, carry out, wash hands. Oh, yeah, got to put my mask on because I'm walking through the hotel. It's a lot of layers of things to protect yourself. And and I think that that was what I walked away from or drove away from, I guess, was just this notion of like it takes a lot. And they're asking a lot of the players. They're asking a lot of the people around the team with the team who have to go through additional testing. And the whole thing, just trying to keep track of every little detail can be exhausting. Man, if everyone were as diligent as you, though, I don't think we'd be having the problem uh, to the extent that we are still having the problem. But I don't mean to politicize the podcast. And that's a story for another day and all that. Yeah, there's a randomness, though, to it, too. Like, I can't control if I go pick up that coffee and someone sneezes on me. Right. That's the thing is, like, you're always on guard because they're like, okay, random moment. Like, I saw things in one of the city where people were like, okay, well, we're going to have outdoor dining. And it's like, that makes a lot of sense. Cool. Outdoor dining. That's awesome. They're doing that in St. Louis too and everything like that. And then it was clear that they had just packed the patio with extra tables. And it's like, wait, whoa, that's not exactly what I think <laughs> they're describing right. here. Right. Yeah. All right. So let's go back to the team. Where were you and when was it that you became aware of the first positive test for the Cardinals? So I was on my way to the ballpark. They had an afternoon game. It was the Brewers home opener. So it was an afternoon first pitch because I believe the Bucks were playing that night. So the Brewers were going to be the early show of a doubleheader for Milwaukee fans. And I was on my way to the ballpark, had just got the aforementioned cup of coffee, and then heard that the team was in lockdown because of a concern. And that was sort of the first wave of it was the news that they were told not to leave their rooms. You know, beyond that, there was not an immediate detail. I guess it probably took about 10 minutes, 12 minutes 
to go from we're not going to the ballpark to we're not leaving our rooms to there's concern of a positive test and there's going to be confirmation tests done today. So, boy, it probably was between maybe 9.57, No, even earlier than that. And then 20 minutes later, put the story up. So that's Friday, supposed to be the first game of a series in Milwaukee. The testing question actually happened two days before in Minneapolis, right? Correct. Yeah, right. it was the Wednesday test in Minneapolis. At least one of them was. And then Thursday night, they found out about two. And then there's a confirmation process. But it was uh, Thursday night, shortly before 10 p.m., that the team found out about their positive tests and then scrambled to find out what contact tracing, um, who they could lock down. And then they said by about 6 a.m. the next day, they had been able to get through to all the players to not leave their rooms. And then that initial kind of first wave, for lack of a better term, of positive tests before they left Milwaukee, how many people eventually tested positive in that first wave? And, and over how many days did it take to find out about that? 13 was the total while they were in Milwaukee. It was from Thursday when they arrived, the off day, to the next Wednesday when they left. So you're talking about a six-day span. But the actual spread of that was the first four days there in Milwaukee because they did have to go through two consecutive days without a new positive to leave the hotel. That also included a day with some inconclusive results that also that kind of kicked you know, those over to the next day for confirmation. Is it known who it was and how that person contracted the virus and, and brought it into the clubhouse? As of right now, the Cardinals and Major League Baseball have traced it back to an associate of at least one player who is known to the team, who the team is aware of, and that person was asymptomatic. Um, that person was not allowed into the bubble, was outside the perimeter of the testing, was outside the perimeter of the team travel, um, was not traveling with the team and was not going to travel with the team. Um, so this, they think, happened in St. Louis. And it was because the person was asymptomatic and was around at least one player, maybe more than one player um, at the time, that that's what, how it got uh, found a seam in the clubhouse and spread from there. Their actions on the field and you know some of the practices that they had and that they've since tightened up on the field, clustering in the dugout, clustering on the field, how they're organized in the bullpen, they've recognized that you know some of that may have contributed to how far it spread. In St. Louis, they're allowed to go to their homes. So it's not someone unfamiliar or someone untoward or breaking a protocol. That's the investigator's understanding. Got it. So an innocent beginning to this, and then as it often does, it kind of spread like wildfire within a confined area. Now all the guys are quarantining in Milwaukee, waiting for all these negative tests. And I've seen pictures, but maybe you can tell people like Jack Flaherty putting his mattress up against the wall yeah. in the hotel. And because literally we're not allowed to leave their room other than for testing for several days, right? Correct. Yeah. They were not allowed to leave their room unless it was for a scheduled test. The team did have baseballs, room service delivered to the pitchers. So I think they each got two baseballs, which is interesting because it's something they haven't been permitted to do here in St. Louis. Um, I found that interesting that they were permitted in Milwaukee to have room service bring up. I, I, I really hope they came on a silver platter, but I kind of right. doubt that they did. Um, but I would really like that image of them. You know, your baseballs are here, sir. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, in St. Louis, they've not been permitted to do that. So players are left to their own devices at their home, which many of them have baseball. So it's not that big a deal. But I just think that's an interesting kind of detail. You know, so yeah, you had Adam Wainwright who rearranged the furniture in his hotel room to uh, to get in some golf shots. Um, other guys put up pillows 
to uh, pitch into, trying to get that space or trying to keep their arms moving. They, they wanted to have the baseball there as a weight so that guys could keep their arm active, whether they threw or not. They could at least mimic throws and deliveries and stuff like that. And you mentioned Flaherty. Flaherty uh, deadlifted his mattress up against the wall to create some kind of target for a bullpen toss. Um, it seemed to have gone well. They insist that uh, they didn't break anything at the Fister, so that's <laughs> right. good. I don't know how quickly, how eager they are to go back there, given how much time they spent there. But, uh, um, but they, they, I guess, uh, didn't leave any welts or uh, or broken lamps. Well, as you know, the Fister has all kinds of stories going back generations, oh so it'd be it would be way down the list. But I guess the sobering thing of this is you have this initial outbreak, which goes from one person to thirteen people in the traveling party within. A couple of days, but then there are consecutive yeah, two people days. To 13. They had two first tests. Two, two, right, two That's why it's like they don't, it's one of the, you know, at least a couple players. I got it. Okay. So, but then it mushrooms very quickly. And now they have consecutive days of negative tests. And now after several days being stuck in quarantine in Milwaukee, they're finally allowed to get on the plane and go back to St. Louis and resume workouts. And then there are new positive tests. And I think that's you know, the first one is a gut punch. And then the second one is just like a punch to the jaw where you go, man, like we thought we had done everything right. And it still wasn't enough. What was the reaction like within the organization when kind of that second positive test started? Oh, crestfallen. That's the word. Uh, heart sick, not to use the word sick, but I mean, they just were, they were like, wait a minute. They had followed protocols. They felt they had put it behind them. They had two workouts at the ballpark. They had new practices in place or had underscored practices that they should have had already. And then they get word that they had another positive test. And then they had contact tracing that suggested they should expect more. They were like, wait a minute, you know, this incubation period, we thought we had this under control and could move on and play the Cubs. And here it is, the virus has really, you know, snaked its way back in. One, they traced back to exposure eight days before the positive test. And then came the concern that they had all been on the same plane together. They had all worked out together. They'd been in the clubhouse together. So it was like, wait a minute, we just spent six days apart from one another in a hotel and that wasn't enough to control it. Then what will be? And that's the great unknown. One of the many great unknowns uh, about this virus. At the time that you and I are recording this, Rob Manfred, the commissioner of baseball, has just said that he believes the Cardinals can still play a credible schedule, that he does not believe they will be shut down, that they will resume playing, and that they can play a credible schedule. There's no way they will play a full schedule. It's just logistically impossible. By my math, if they were to start on Friday, which is the earliest possible date they can start right now, it would be 55 games in 45 days. It's just not going to happen. Players will get hurt. They're not going to do that. So in terms of a credible schedule, what do you think that is? And and do you think it's a lock that the Cardinals will resume playing, that they will get back into this at some point? That quote from uh, Rob Manfred is the conversation I had with him this week. Reached out to him just because it's like, look, the Cardinals are in the grip of an outbreak here, and there's a lot of uncertainty. They just don't know what's next. So what is their map back? He uh, spoke to him for a while on Monday afternoon about that notion, and he said like you did, that reaching 60 games is not possible, but they could be a credible competitor. So what does that mean? Well, I mean, it's all speculation at this point, but what we do know is that the Cardinals schedule, that the Major League Baseball has adjusted their schedule to buy them time. So they postponed a planned doubleheader on Thursday. The White Sox announced that they've moved back Saturday's start time to 6 p.m., five hours later. Also worth noting that that would allow them to the Cardinals to get their Friday tests. 
back in time before playing that game. That would put them uh, six days, at least six days, away from their last new positive. So they would have six consecutive days of no new positives. They might be able to get three days of workouts in then too. In talking with Rob Manfred, I asked him, you know, if two was the rule to get out of Milwaukee, what's the rule now to get back on the field? And he said, well, it's two, at least two, probably three. Um, the Cardinals are in the midst of that right now. They, they do have two days that they hope of consecutive new positives when, as you and I are talking. And so they see a way back on the field, then back into workouts, and then back by the weekend into games, which would then give them, yeah, about 44 days to play 55 games. Um, if you focus on the division games, then you're talking about a team that could play 56 games total. So they'd have to play 51 games in 44 days. Never been done before, but a lot of things that have never happened before yeah. are happening here in 2020. So Innings have never started with a runner at second. So, hey, let's get crazy, right? Exactly right. Last one for me is how do fans feel about this? Like if you said to college football fans, do you want a season to happen or not? Half would say absolutely. And half would say, are you crazy? Safety's got to come first. And and I'm curious with everything that's gone on with the Cardinals. And, you know, I'm not as familiar as you are, but pretty familiar with how passionate and widespread and devoted the Cardinal fan base is. It really is a special, uh, unique group. How do Cardinal fans feel from what you're able to ascertain about how things have gone and what the future should hold for this team this year? I mean, really, it's like shaking a magic eight ball. Do you get a different answer depending on the fan that I talk to? Um, there are people that are obviously like, say, shut it down. It's not a real season. They can't compete. This has been too stressful. Focus on their health. There are people who say, replace them all. Replace them all with the young guys. Let's go. You know, why aren't they playing already? Bring up everybody from the satellite group, the alternate site group, and play. Um, then there are others who are saying, you know, they want to find some reason to blame. Um, that's been an interesting element of it, too, is it's a small group, but it's a pretty vocal group that wants to COVID shame a little bit and wants to blame somebody for pulling baseball away from them. Like I said, that's a small group. The larger group is supportive of trying to find a way. And it sure seems like the even larger group is the one that is aware that this is a health question at this point. First and foremost, the health of the individuals who tested positive, two of whom had to go to the ER for treatment, um, were not admitted, uh, got their treatment, got IVs, got their answers, and then moved on. But some of them have dealt with symptoms that have been described slightly more than mild. You know, Mike Schilt said was dealing with something that was, you know, concerning symptoms. Um, none of them have been hospitalized. But I think there's an awareness that this is a health question. And then once you get past the health question for the people recovering from the virus, you know, a good bit of it are asymptomatic, to be candid. And some of those players could be back having not missed any game at all because of the delay here. But then it gets to the health of the team aspect. Like, what are you asking uh, Jack Flaherty to do when he has pitched opening night and that's it? And three weeks later is being asked to make a start. You know, they haven't thrown a pitching competition in what will be, well, it'll be more than two weeks when these pitchers have gone. So you have essentially two lengthy stoppages of time for this team because you not only have the stoppage that we all went through there earlier in the summer, but now they've been going for five weeks of summer camp and the first week of the season and then asked to stop a fortnight again. So there's a real question about health. And I, I do think that that is an underlying part of many fans' questions. It's like, okay, what is the responsible and right thing to do and to expect from this team when it's had a health crisis because of an outbreak and now has a health question 
because of the layoff. Listen, we all love sports, but health should always be first and foremost on all of our minds. I think you and I would would readily agree on that. And as much as we don't know, I think the only thing I do know is if you're getting back in a car to go to Chicago, I know your COVID kit's been replenished and you're ready to go for the drive up there, I assume. It is. Yeah, I have to wash my mask again, my spare (laughs) mask. I need to wash that. One of the things you have to be aware of is like the local travel. I mean, you are definitely aware of that, right? That's like why the Jays aren't there is because the city has a travel policy. So as I move around, this week was the week that the Cardinals were supposed to go play in the corn of Dyersville, Iowa at the Field of Dreams event. And there was a real question as to how was that going to be handled because Iowa was on the travel advisory list for Chicago. And here were two teams going to Iowa to play a game and then traveling the next day to play two games um, over the weekend in Chicago. How is that going to work? Not just for the teams who would have to get an exemption, but for the media, you know, trying to cover it. We were asking these questions, trying to figure it out. And that's just part of 2020 baseball. It absolutely is. It's why I'm calling Jay's games from a studio and doing a podcast from my basement, because that's what that's what we, <laughs> we got to do what we got to do in 2020. So but uh, I appreciate all the work. I read a bunch of your stories in the last 24 hours or so, and you're doing a great job as always keeping everybody up to date. Most of all, stay safe on your travels and uh, health permitting for the ball club. I do hope you get a chance to see some live baseball again pretty soon. Yeah, me too, because of what it would mean. I mean, that's been the whole thing here for me, Dan, is like, I hope we get to see a complete regular season because it means health. You know, like if you get to the end of the World Series, it means they've done something remarkable to stay healthy. And I think the end, while the means are going to be tough and the means are going to be tiresome and the means are going to be scary at times, but if you get to the end, that does mean that they've pulled off something by staying healthy. And that's remarkable. Absolutely. One day at a time, one test at a time. Derek, thanks as always. We'll talk to you again. Hope to see you soon. Yeah, thanks, Dan. Thanks for inviting me, uh, well, virtually into your basement. I hope to see you in person. I spruced it up nicely for you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, be well. Talk to you again soon. All right, sounds good. Thank you. So as we just heard, quite an ordeal for the St. Louis Cardinals. First of all, just trying to make sure everybody is healthy, everybody is safe, and then trying to contemplate how to resume their baseball season when they've been off for more than two weeks and they're 13, 14, 15 games behind the number of games that other teams have played. Just another unprecedented situation in an unprecedented year on so many different fronts. That'll do it for this episode of A Swing and a Bell, produced as always by Christian Ryan. I'm Dan Schulman saying please stay safe and hope to see you again with us next time. Thanks for listening.